Good, good morning. Is that Tom? Yes, it is. How's it going? Tom, I'm terrific. It's, uh, this is Calgary Business Podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you. Pleasure to be on it. Well, you know, I have to tell you, this is episode number 128, and I, I don't even know now how many I've done remotely since the, the COVID-19 period. But Tom, Tom please introduce yourself, and then we can, we can you know, tell us a little bit about what, who Tom, it's Mor- Moran, do I pr- pronounce that? Yeah, yeah Tom Moran. Moran. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. So I'm the author of a book called uh, Your Best Work. Uh-oh, Tom. Yeah. It's a bit glitchy right now. Okay. Try that again. <laughs> Try that again. Okay, sure. Uh, hi, I'm Tom Warren. I'm the author of a book called Your Best Work. Uh, I do a lot of public speaking and uh, I do some consulting and that is mostly helping uh, leaders uh, lead in their most critical moments in organizations and yeah. then helping teams uh, engage. You know, it's interesting because you're on that subject and I've seen a lot of posts on social media you know, for leaders and what to, what to do in this crisis and then the sort of work from home. I, I just literally, it's been, it's, it's almost like deja vu talking to you because the last couple of weeks or last week, not the last couple, obviously everybody's working from home. So what are your thoughts? Like, I mean, what have you, what, any suggestions? Maybe we can kick right into that. Some of your suggestions, some, you know, you've worked with clients and, or people you deal with or talk to. Yeah. And, and I think the, uh, it's a huge period of adjustments and uh, on multiple levels, and but the ones that I mostly have engaged with my clients on, as uh, leaders are. Oh, Tom, uh, we're really. This is really glitching a lot. I don't know if it's my side or your side. I can hear you perfectly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, do you want to do you want to recall or how does it work? It keeps bouncing. It keeps bouncing to where I don't hear you, so not that it'll come across the same on the podcast. Well, continue, let's see if it, if it doesn't if it doesn't get better, we'll, we can we can revisit this. Right. Well, what I can do is I can uh, switch uh, headphones if you like. Switch it okay. to a different device. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would work. So, I mean, I'll, I'll talk for a second while you get it, you prepare yourself. You know, yeah. I've had I've had a few guests on recently, and exactly this this topic of dealing with the the I guess productivity uh, do you have thoughts on you know how people can improve their productivity during this period yeah and i think it really comes down to uh, uh organizing your tasks i mean one of the things that i i talk about in a different context in my book with respect to um you know uh it's great to have goals uh, but what's really great is that we accomplish goals uh through actually scheduling and completing tasks right so I, I really try to encourage people to, yeah, set your goals, but don't don't confuse goals with tasks. The, it's the accumulation of uh, tasks every day that actually get us uh, get us to our goals. Right. And and you know one of the best ways to just knock stuff off in in my mind is has always been just to schedule it. So every day, what I ask my clients to do is they're overwhelmed. Right. Yes. They're already overwhelmed with so many things to do right and i say well you've got you know and very few people work eight hours a day we're often the you know the 10 hours a day at least that's our duration before we start to really gear down and try, <laughs> yeah. and try to yeah try to have a bit of family life right but um but yeah you've you know it's it, it, a to-do list is is just a wish until you actually schedule them in in whatever device you're using or planner yet you're using so you really need to 
you know, if you're going to make a phone call, is it five minutes to prep for the phone call? Is it a 15 minute phone call? Is it 10 minutes to write your notes and make a decision? Well, all of a sudden that 15 minute phone call became a 25 minute endeavor. But after you've done that, you've actually accomplished something. You've made the decision and you can start taking action. So really schedule, in my mind, the minutia and move through it. So that's what I found. Most of my clients have found helpful. I like that. I mean, let, let's go back a bit because you've, you've written a book and, and we jumped right out to your book. But what, mm. what prompted you to write a book and, and publish it and, and go through that book signing? And I, I'm literally that that's interesting in itself. Let, let's dig into that a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's 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 actually my second book. My first book was published in 2005 and it was actually a mountaineering safety book. So OK. I doing, yeah, nice. I was doing a lot of climbing back then and there was a, a rash of accidents and, you know, uh, tragically some people were getting killed. So my wife and I decided to uh, write a safety book about a specific aspect of uh, mountain rec- recreation. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I really felt good about writing a book and it, it was a great experience. And, yeah. And, but my, my, my career just carried on. I never thought of doing it again. The book was helpful uh, for people. So that was good enough for me. Um, but then when I started... Wait, wait. Uh, I want to go back to that book because now, wait, you just put me back. This was 2005? Yeah. Because that, that was a time, wasn't there like a, the, in the news? Because we, we were in Kazakhstan, but I think there's some New Zealand, very famous New Zealander climber, maybe Aussie climber that died in Mount Everest. Maybe you... Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? There's... Everest is a, yeah. is a, is, you know, it's all, it makes the news almost every year. And I'm right. sure there was, uh, yeah, I don't remember that specific incident, but uh, 19, I believe it was 99 or okay. 96 was the really bad year that prompted books like Into Thin Air and, yeah. and those, those tragedies. But, but you uh, had some a personal, like in Alberta kind of a uh, situation, you, you were more awareness or just, you were, I mean, that was something you were doing with, with your wife. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, what happened was we were we were actually, you know, quite advanced climbers at the time. Yeah, we would still go hiking and we would do something called scrambling, which is a which is hiking in the mountains. But you travel over terrain that if you fell, you'd probably die. So we were coming off we were coming off a mountain in Banff, Banff National Park in Western Canada. And uh, it was a bad day. There was storms. Uh, It was, you know, August and snow had moved through. Right. We were we were very well prepared. But as we were coming off the mountain there was another couple coming down that were just ravaged by the storm wearing running shoes and uh, we thought you know we really we really should you know do write a book to educate people about you know you're not just a hiker anymore when you start doing these scrambling things you're really exposing yourself to the the biggest mountain hazards so uh yeah a year later the book was written and published and fantastic uh, it's fantastic well, I mean, just the reason I, the, you know, being in Calgary, I, I, mean, I came back after 18 years overseas, but mm-hmm. certainly a long time, uh, there's a lot of people, the mountains are just so dear to being a resident of Calgary. My, my sister shared a story recently. There was, it was a bear and the people, she's a, she's a real avid hiker. And there was, a, 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 you know, people had sighted a bear. And so they got closer as opposed to, she kind of, she kind of said, warned them. She was, they were kind of like you, they were, she was coming down. And she saw these uh, tourists or whoever were, were trying to get closer to the bear. And she's like, what are you doing? You know, this sort of this. So anyway, just, it just brought to mind. I don't know if she's written. A, I don't think she plans to write a book. But wow. I mean, certainly your, your endeavors there. But so book two came out. When did that come out? 
it, it just came out in March. So it's been out uh, about a month now. And, oh, uh, and yeah. That, just during the lockdown. I mean, literally, you probably released and then you, what happened well, there? Yeah, well, this is actually, this is, uh, you know, this is, I think, something that might be interesting to a lot of your listeners. Like, how do we move forward with our careers? And what do we do about plans, goals, and our vision for our career in times of crisis like this? Right. So uh, we actually, and I I, I just uh, was speaking to somebody about this uh, this morning, is that uh, before the book release, so the book was always scheduled to be released on March 17th, 2020. Right. But as that date got closer and we heard about the COVID-19 crisis, we weren't weren't in nationwide lockdown yet. But a week before the release, we had a, a meeting and we said, do we pause this book release? Do we actually not, you know, make the book available for sale to right. the world do we just press pause and we we had a good meeting about that myself and my amazing publisher uh, page two books out of vancouver and at the end of that meeting we decided that the best thing we really could do was go forward with the release but for one very important reason and that one reason was to really help one person if we can in this right. time of crisis to create a more satisfying and deeply meaningful working life. And I have to say that it was the best decision we ever made. The feedback we've gotten is fantastic. Yeah. So I'm really happy with that decision. But so this, I mean, this, your, the book, and because I don't know, I haven't, I haven't read the book and I haven't, mm-hmm. Amazon didn't send me the release date, <laughs> uh, the audible, maybe I'll get it on the audible, but I mean, you've, the, you've written this book in the, in the context of your best work. Is it, mm-hmm. does it fit nicely with, I don't mean nicely in, in, a, in a sense, but does it fit with work from home, uh, working remotely, you know, and, and I think you and I touched offline a bit about some of these, these issues, mental health and physical health and kind of that whole genre. I mean, what is, right. is does, how does it fit? Some examples maybe. Yeah. And you know, when we talk about working from home or doing your best work, those are all slices of something, you know, this big loaf of bread called the world of work and our relationship <laughs> with it. I like that. Yeah. So if you look at, you know, right now, top of mind is working from home. Top of mind for a lot of people is uncertainty and precariousness in their working life. Like, you know, they're, they're either have no work or they're struggling to hold on to the work that they have. Right. And this thing called work, you know, a lot of social scientists will tell us that it's probably the largest single project in a human life. And what that means is from the time we're in grade school, we're really trained to, um, you know, we're taught skills and, and knowledge that will help us in the world of work. We often talk about what we want to be when we grow up. Yeah. Well, the, the volume on that is just cranked up as we go through junior high, high school, and post-secondary education is all about getting through it so you can finally get a job. After that, we're going to work for, you know, 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. Right. And then after work, on the weekends, we're going to talk about work. We're going to worry about our kids getting enough work. So this thing <laughs> called work is is consuming. Right. So right now, we're we're, we're talking about, well, should I work from home? And what's this working from home like? Should I change my career? And really, it's finding, and this is what the book is about, really finding 
out what that best work situation is for you yeah. and pursuing that because there's always going to be a crisis coming along. We're all, our working lives are precarious. They are stressful, but if you can have your compass to get through it and really engage in it in the moment, all these stresses and crises just seem to get a little more manageable. I got to think chapter one, my first job. I mean, what, what, what is chapter one? What's chapter the last? You can tell me all about in between, but what's the first chapter and last chapter called? Well, the, <laughs> the first chapter is yeah. called dying for work. Okay. And it really is about, uh, so, you know, the, the stories that uh, propelled me yeah. into my coaching and consulting career were that I was almost killed at work twice. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then I, I nearly died escaping from what was for me very unfulfilling work at the time. So that's what the first chapter is about. And, it, and of the, the first chapter ends yeah. with, um, with the process I developed over a decade to help my individual clients and my sure. organizational clients engage deeply in their work. So it really starts off with, you know, the, the first time was getting shelled when I was in the former Yugoslavia in the military. Wow. Um, so you was, were in the 90s and that was mid 90s during the war yeah. then. Yeah, the, that was during the war in 1993. Yeah. So that was the, yeah. the Canadian peacekeepers or was it part of the UN? Yeah, yeah part of the UN. So yeah. we, I was attached to what's called the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry or PPCLI. Right. I was actually an electronics technician in the military. And one day we were working in our uh, maintenance compound, you know, all surrounded with barbed wire and everything. Sure. And you heard that whistle come in oh, and you knew uh, that was a oh yeah yeah wow. so we you know I, I i dove out of my workshop that was on the back of a truck i was uh taking cover under my truck because i was too far from the bomb shelter and uh luckily that day um nobody was killed so on our tour for yeah. six months there we actually lost four soldiers from our battalion but on on that day that day wow we, we were fine well, so but powerful the, you were in, were you in sarajevo I, i'd been there once in, yeah, in, the, in late. Uh... Yeah, we were we were west of there. We were in uh, kind of the Croatian uh, Bosnian border, sure, uh, a little south and west of Sarajevo. Wow. Yeah. No, I was I was there in two thousand and for work. I went for like, just for like it was a. Anyway, I was in. We were in Albania. Can you imagine? Mm. Not not far. We took eighteen months stint in Albania, but wow. I mean, just so you you literally were in the thick of the war, um, and the battle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was, uh, you know, what's funny is when, after it happened and, you know, everybody was fine. I mean, we all took cover sure. and then it was, it seemed to be over as quickly as it started. But I remember standing in the middle of our compound a few minutes after it was over. And, the, you know, when you think of like, you know, what should, what should be the first thought that comes to your mind? Well, you know, I, I don't know what should come to your mind, but I know for me, it's, it's going to sound strange. I said, I need to find a different job. That's that's what came to my mind. It yeah. was all about work. Yeah. yeah, my father had been in the military. I've been in the military for 10 years at that point, but it never felt like it was the right job for me. So I, I committed myself to change my working life in that moment. And after we got back to Canada yeah. a year later, I uh, yeah, I, I got out of the military and uh, started working in, in Western Canada. So, so that's, that was, I mean, that. I imagine there's something you've, you've touched on that in your book, in your best work, because you literally, oh, yeah. that was a pivotal moment. It sounds like where you transition. Okay. One of three. Okay. One of three. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what happened then is, you know, you think you like for, for you, you carry on with your life. Well, sure. 
the problem was when I got out of the military, uh, the only job I could really find was working on a drilling rig. So that's what I did. And I was thankful to get that job. It was well paid. Sure. Um, but again, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, it wasn't an intentional choice. It was a necessary choice. Like I had, you don't make a lot of money in the military. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to sure. go on vacation sure. and things like that. So, but the, the, the problem was one day we were working on the, uh, the drilling rig, standing in the middle of the drilling rig floor and somebody yelled something and I just jumped out of the way, thankfully. And what happened is my supervisor had accidentally released about a ton of steel that had been winched off to the side of the building. Crazy. Yeah. And as it swung, uh, it just caught the back of my coveralls as I jumped out of the way. But if I would have been half a second slower, I literally would have been gone with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would have been cut in half at the waist. You know, that reminds me, there was that movie with the oil. uh, It's just, it was called oil and it was the, uh, I can't remember the actor. And it literally was the first drilling, 1860s or whatever it was. Right. And I just, re- it was so vivid because I'd worked in overseas in, in Kazakhstan and Russia with oil companies and, and, and mm. so forth. But literally, there was a, the, the, the pipe, the drill pipe dropped straight down into the hole. And there was a guy down there and it literally sliced him in half. Like they didn't show that. But yeah. I could just, you know, that power because it, I mean, it's just, it just dropped some hinge, some crane that's holding it up. And it's a dangerous, it is. Yeah. That, yeah, so yeah, it's it's a dangerous job now, and, and now you know, twenty five years later, sure, it's all it's all automated. So we try to put as few people on that in in the line of fire, as we call it, as possible on drilling rigs. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was it. That was strike two for me. And again, yeah. <laughs> so you got nine again, lives because you have a third strike, and you and you survived that as yeah. well. Was that the mountain yeah. one? Then that was the mountain. Yeah, the mountain one. Okay. So and what I did, I thought I got to get a job that's safer. So I literally. Uh, jumped in my truck after that incident and I drove to Calgary yeah. and I, I, I took my coveralls off in the parking lot of the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology. That's safe. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. And I, I walked in and I looked on their bulletin board and I said, I got to go to college. <laughs> so there was, there was an opportunity. There was, a, really... an o- yeah, there was an opening. And yeah. so I, 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 I enrolled in that program and Two really? years later, I had a I had an office in a high rise office building downtown Calgary, working away. So I changed my working life again, but um, you know, not not really, you know, that thoughtful again. It was all about survival. Sure. Uh, but yeah, then. Well, it's incredible. Everything like you said, going. I mean, your book really sounds fitting if you take your best work because it's all about. And it, it, as you said, you grow up thinking about what your first job, when you're going to work. Your parents are talking mm-hmm. about when you're going to work, even if you're in university or in college, or you're just graduating from high school, when are you going to mm-hmm. work? What job? Even my 14-year-old, we were looking around just before, just before the crisis, uh, just for a part-time job, you know, like something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of kind of good intention, and then, then the crisis hit. And, and so, you know, it, it, it's, people are out there. It's out there. But I want to go back to SAFE because, you know, I was up there. I had uh, Brad Donaldson up on the podcast. And, and I'd, I'd visit, I hadn't been to the campus for, for obviously many years, and there was a drilling rig right there. I don't know if you come to that parking lot, just, yeah. uh, I don't know how you're traveling from the, this, the, the auditorium is, and there's that yeah. literally right there. I parked next to the auditorium, and I walked, and, and there was a drilling rig right there on, on hand to teach mm-hmm. you know, the students. But anyway, so, uh, so you've, you've, you've written a book. You're, you're also a teacher. Up, or you're instructing up at Mount Royal. You're at... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, uh, yeah, my, my, you know, I do, I do multiple things. 
as as much as I can because yeah. they they're just so important to me now. After uh, you know, after I finally kind of sorted out my my uh, my my relationship with work. So yeah, I teach uh, <laughs> I, I teach organizational change management right. at Mount Royal University. I teach a a master's course in. Uh, it's an academic course at Royal Roads University. And those are just a couple days a year for each one. But okay. it's, a, it's really a chance for me to learn. And uh, I've got connections with those. But this is, a, this is a period right now. Transformation mm-hmm. is happening as we speak. And then it's going it. to, we're not going back. Like people, I've had several guests say, you know, there's, there's no button we're going to push and we're going to go back to green or back to start, whatever. It's literally mm-hmm. grassroots, uh, figure this thing out when we, you know, when we, when the, we can go back to work or whatever that period, whatever that definition is. Right. Yeah. I think this is one of, one of the events. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's always hard to, uh, to really predict the future, but yeah. I, I, you know, I, uh, there's a couple of schools of thought and I'm sure your, your guests have said this, that, you know, if, if all of a sudden there was a, a vaccine tomorrow and uh you know we could all start going back to work in a month yeah uh maybe we maybe we go back to the old normal somehow but uh, that seems less and less likely as we move forward so you know it, it, as as you get older and you look back on your life you can see all these crises that seemed terrible in the moment yet you survived and and you maybe you know you just say well you know it was a big deal but I, everything seems normal now uh, this might be one of them but uh, who knows so we'll have to look back 20 years from now and see what impact this had but it's just it's, well i mean if you take simple on a simple level uh the schools not, i don't sorry not for not the, the schools on a major level you've got the schools everything global shutdown of you know, all the way from grade k k to 12 through university mm-hmm. You've, uh, you know, it's incredible. It's, it's a complete shutdown. And if people think that, you know, you know, there's, there's, they're upset about the, the, the adjustments to their lives and their, their exams are not going to happen or their graduation is not going to happen, but this is a huge going forward. I, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, I think it calls into question a lot of the, uh, the way we've been when doing things, if we just look at education, post-secondary education yeah. in particular, for example, there's a, it's a very tradition, it's a, it's a, uh, I don't want to say traditional business model, but it's a business model that hasn't changed in a long time. So we've got these large estates. So yeah. mass, you know, ton, tons of acres with all these expensive buildings, right? We've got residencies, parking lots, food, all those things that are sources of revenue for the institution. And now um, when nobody's on site, but yeah. we can deliver learning remotely. It's, it's very similar to the business world. We're wondering, you know, what do we really need all this infrastructure and this investment going forward? But it's a, there's a lot of inertia there. So we'll have to see if we're really able to change. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, you know, when I came back to Calgary and I heard a lot of the real estate downtown, this was in October, I think Mary Moran, which is a little bit different spelling than yours, but she's the, you mm. know, the CEO of Calgary Economic Development. And one of the comments was that the downtown core in terms of real estate is going to take 16 years to recover, meaning there's a lot of high vacancy. And, and that came, you know, re- repurposing real estate was a, was a theme that I thought of and kept when I've seen and listening to that. And now you, you've, you've brought up the major infrastructure and I'm, I'm thinking literally Satan, I'm thinking Mount Royal, I was up there. And even the UFC, it has dramatically shifted or changed to more 
buildings of more and yeah there's going to probably be a rethink of how to repurpose some of those because if there's a hybrid you know change to online offline whatever it is it's you're going to have that real estate unutilized yeah and 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 you know that's that's our biggest challenge is is let's say we we move into continue with the model that's developed so if you look at the university of calgary yeah. uh, mount royal pretty much everything was able to go online uh, let's say 90 percent sure uh, literally within a week or two. So within a week or two, uh, students that were traveling to campus to sit in a classroom yeah. uh, were able to start doing something online. And now that we're six weeks into this, um, it's just, it's almost becoming the status quo. Uh, so, you know, that it, it seems all possible, but we, there's one thing that I really think we, we need to focus on. And, and it goes back to, you know, one of our, you know, primary motivations for work in the world. One of them, you know, there's three, it's survival, and then, uh, you know, implementing our identity at work, but also work is our primary kind of social connection. Oh, right. Yeah. Other people. Good one. Yeah. And if we look, if we look at school, uh, school's another primary point of social connection. So just going out into the world to engage on something that's not you know, hanging out and chit-chatting, yes. doing a sport to engage on a, an intellectual level and, and with a goal, like with studies or with work. Um, the, it, we don't get that same, you know, uh, response working from home or working remotely. So even though we can do it all, we've really got to find a way to connect through our yeah. work and through our education again, because that's, that's probably one of the greatest benefits. Well, you know, I mean, you just see, I, I feel from the difference, I went overseas and you were, you were also in the nineties, you know, we didn't have internet mm-hmm. and the phone call, it was ex- ex- extremely expensive to make a, 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 this call, mm-hmm. this call for 25 minutes, you know, would have been, you know, it would have been off the charts in terms of your, your, your long distance phone bill. And even when I first moved overseas, I, 95, I went to Kazakh, uh, Ukraine. And I do remember, you know, some people talking about, I was in, so it's not far Bosnia and all that it was not far, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the people that were going to that area, I, I was, I was really remote because even though I had the phone call, I wasn't calling a lot and it was tough. You were, I, I, mm-hmm. I, it was isolated, not self-isolated, but I was isolated from my family and friends in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Of course, when I went back overseas in the, in the mid two thousands, it was different. You know, you had a voice over internet, you had Skype calls coming and you had to sort of, you were connected. And so I think you see today with the zoom calls, people do feel more connected even with all the, the being isolated, work from home and the things they're doing. Sure. So anyway, so I want to put that because there's a big difference to the time when you and I were overseas the first time. You're obviously in a war, but I was in, in a work situation. Um, that isolation is less. So I think those two key elements, work and school, there's going to be an adjustment. I'm not the ex- I'm by far not an expert. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, that isolation, you know, w- yes, we're better. We've moved forward. But uh, just imagine right now that you're uh, a person who perhaps lives alone. So you live in a, sure. a apartment building or a, or a neighborhood and you've got your own house and maybe you know your neighbors, who knows. But every morning for the past so many years, every weekday sure. morning, you were able to go into the world where there's literally thousands of people in, let's say, a downtown Calgary uh, within you know, a block and you're able to pass by people. You were able to talk to all your coworkers, yeah. and you know, and then when you came home, you had your quiet time. 
Well, imagine right now that you're, you're maybe, you know, the one person who, let's imagine that one person, that person living at home by themselves, at least they're connected through their work. Uh, yeah, you lose they, that, that social element or, yeah. yeah. But imagine if they lost their work right yeah. now, how, how, tr- how tragic that would be. So when we look and there's many people who have, so living alone right now, at least I was connected through yeah. Zoom and yeah. I, had a re- I had a purpose to get up in the morning. Now, if I've lost my work and I can't even go outside, the, the impact of, of work on our lives yeah. now is the volume on that's been turned right up. So, I mean, what do you say? So here you go. This, does your book come into play or just your work that you've done? Um, does mm-hmm. it come into play? And what do you say to someone? They've just lost their job and they're isolated <laughs> and they can't go out. I mean, you're just hit with the mother load. You are hit with the mother load. And I, it's hit with the mother load in 2020. Yeah. Um, your brain is and like normally, and we should, we're going to go into survival mode. Um, but there's, I would offer that it can happen again in sure. 2022, 2025. Right. And, and if, if you, to, to, Go from survival mode to survival mode and just have these periods of thank God it's over in between. Um, that's kind of how I lived my, my working life. And it was draining and exhausting sure. and very unfulfilling. So what I, what I talk about in the book is we all know we work for survival and there's all kinds of things we have to do. But we can start taking a little control of our working lives. We can start designing it. So when things like this hit, yeah. um, they're, they're not as psychologically devastating. We still might be impacted financially, but because we, and this is what I talk about in the book, designed this vision of a working life, we're able to get up every morning and still do something about it. So there's, it tempers the, the normal things that happen in the world of work. The world of work is up and down, boom and yeah. bust, crisis yeah. and not. But if, if we're just a feather blown in the wind by that, uh, it, and there's nothing else that we have with us about work, uh, then, it, then, then, that's, then that's the story of our lives. And you know what's happening to me right now, you know, my, my business is being challenged. Um, I've, got, I've got clients who uh, have had to scale back. Yes. But thankfully, the way, I, you know, the way I structured my working life and helped other people do the same, we're able to keep moving forward knowing that we've got this career vision that we're we're working on daily and it almost seems slightly bulletproof if that makes sense so i mean okay i i mean i i i'm just if i'm a i'm gonna put myself into a shoes of someone who maybe has less hasn't had that opportunity to, to be, have the vision or spent the mm-hmm. time online or done self you know, not self-isolated, self-working or self-educating, mm-hmm. you know, through the internet or whatever it is, free courses or paid courses. What do you say to a 45 year old man or woman who literally is in that situation? Kids are, kids are graduated or in university. Just everyone's kind of, that's, they're ready to do this design. Do they need to read your book or can you give them a tidbit from the book? Oh yeah. Yeah. I can always give them uh, advice, uh, you know, uh, recommendations and information and I can do that right now. So I think the most important thing is that if you find that you're dissatisfied with your working life, and I don't mean that you're upset right now that your wages have been cut down and you can't, you can't find work. But if you find that even in normal times, 
work is getting you upset. Right. Because there's a lot of people who are who are unhappy with their jobs, but it doesn't make the rest of their life unhappy. So those people say to me, Tom, I don't know why you concentrate so much on this thing called work. My job sucks, <laughs> but I'm perfectly happy. Yeah. And I say, th- I say that's good because you've got other deep sources of meaning in your You're life. Right. Work is not important to you. But if somebody finds that their work is making them miserable, sure. then, it's, then it's time to accept that work is an important source of meaning in your life. And society doesn't give us a lot of permission to find work deeply meaningful. We're all told that it's, you know, uh, the most important thing in life is family. The most important thing is community. The most important thing is whatever. Well, for some people, it's work. And when they feel bad about work, they almost feel guilty. You know, well, why should work be so important to me? Let that go. And if you want work to be important to you, let it be important to you. That's step number one. And then once you find that work is important to you, there's a bunch of ways that we can improve our working lives. So the first thing to, that I ask people to understand after they accept that work is, is you know, they're going to allow themselves right. to care about work. The next thing is to realize, and this is, this is a bit challenging for some people, is that all work is equally valuable in society. And we've seen that in the last few weeks. If you would have Googled uh, top 10 most meaningful jobs uh, a month ago, maybe even still, sure. you would have not found grocery store clerk. Or delivery truck drivers, tr- drivers. Yeah, delivery, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. You've never found that. So what, what we live in a world that tells us or teaches us what's more valuable, what's, what's more responsible, what's a better job to do. And what happens is if you, the job that you want isn't on, the, isn't on that list yeah. or you're trying to do a job on that list and it's not meaningful to you, you're kind of set up for failure. But as soon as you realize that all work's equal to the same and I've got I've to give myself permission to see even my work right yeah. now, which is writing, speaking, and consulting, I know that's no more valuable in the world than any other job. And yet when I say that, there's one thing about humans that that is universal truth we care about stuff that probably doesn't matter and that's okay so if i think my job of writing speaking consulting isn't worth any more than any other job as a human i still care i still want to do it so that's the thing if you can see out there that all jobs are the same you might say you know what i'm not going to kind of conform to this idea of meaningful work out there i actually want to be a bus driver i've always wanted that so i'm just going to go do it so you know and i'm not saying it's that easy but we're often kind of conditioned as to what's meaningful and what's sure so that's step number one step number one after you accept that work is meaningful is accept that all work is equally meaningful and you're allowed to care about the particular job you want next is that no matter what we do in the world, how we, how we do our work is what impacts everybody. So you can be a bus driver, but you can make a lot of people miserable yep. by being a bus driver. You can be a, uh, uh, like a, a leader of an organization and you can be a, uh, you know, the traditional jobs like accountant, doctor, lawyer. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm an accountant. And, I was. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. You can, 
how how you are in a I hated auditors. I used to tell I used to come in and I'd say I hate audit when the auditors would when I was working as yeah. a, as a CFO, <laughs> the auditors would come in and I'd say, first of all, I hate auditors. And then of course I'd laugh because others I would laugh because I was a partner I was an audit partner with Deloitte once. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> is your is is your dog That's an auditor? The dog. She's made she's made her presence known on this podcast. This is the second time in, in the last couple of days. This the, the beauty of working from home. Yeah. <laughs> but you know the other thing is like it, once we realize like that maybe you know if i you know if we realize that being an, a, an accountant is the same as me doing my speaking and writing i mean what's there's all these jobs are valuable it's the same as a bus driver but just because we find the work that we love to do we've got to do it that, that we'll really only be motivated to do it and yeah. really want to do a good job yeah. If we can see how our jobs contribute to the well-being of others. So, for example, when I was in the corporate world, uh, before I had my mountaineering accident, I was really, you know, not in a destructive way, but I was really only there to make as much money as I could, save that money and retire. And I was really focused on myself and I was miserable. But once I realized that I could do my job every day in a way that really contributed to the, you know, I, I was leading large teams at the time, you know, contribute to the well-being of my team, contribute to right. the well-being of my peers. Once I did that, the job that I was miserable with all of a sudden became really uh, exciting and I wanted to do even better at it. So just imagine this, you, you finally accept that work is meaningful to you. You finally accept that you want to be a bus driver and you're going to go do it. And then as a bus sure. driver, you do it in a way that contributes to everyone else's you, well-being. You know, it just reminds me, like, I mean, it's, a lot of it's about self, self-esteem and self-image and self-awareness. And, 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 and it's probably what you talk about in some of your classes and instructing and maybe in mm-hmm. your book. But when you talk about the bus driver, there was a story, and I don't know how long ago it was, but it was a guy somewhere in the U.S. and he, he literally told stories on the bus or he did facts, almost like a tour guide. Um, I, I just wish I, I had saved that story because now it's so fitting, not just because of your, the podcast, yeah. but because the driver, you know, the people that get in that, the Uber drivers or the, you know, the people that have sort of been ignored and suddenly now they're the, the most important, they have a story to tell. And I think that, that, you know, that's, that, that can come up. Maybe the guy is going to write a book or maybe he's going to, you know, yeah. or maybe you will write a bus and tell people the stories of your, I don't know. And just imagine that. So you've got a bus driver. Right there, when he's telling those stories, it's not the fact of what he does. So it's not that he is a bus driver that really changes the yeah. world. It's how he's approached it day to day, driver. and it's just the, the yeah. people look forward. I, I gosh, I mean, just the, the 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 power in that one. If he started his own podcast series, imagine yeah. the people in in my view that would listen to him because they've already listened to him. He could bring the stories. There was a there was a pilot we worked with in or not there was a pilot and we lived in Dubai in Doha in Qatar and he used to do that on the plane uh, before they you know he would give them little points of history and, and jokes and anecdotes and, and and so forth so it was, and it was I said you should leave I said you should put that into a book or you know I, I'm going to get Tom I'm going to give you guys offline I'm going to put you guys together because those yeah, are powerful you know the stories yeah. that people tell in their lives so I you've got many pivots. And I, 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 I'd like to get maybe our listeners can to, can approach you offline and and go through the your yeah. your your other steps. But look, you've had so so many pivots, um, and this is another pivot. And I'm sure that's gonna you're gonna take that away. But look, what do you you know? 
as a takeaway in this pivotal pivoting time, uh, any th- mm-hmm. final thoughts and for listeners, Tom? Yeah. If I, I always tell people, if I can emphasize one thing is that it doesn't matter what job you do in this, in this world, just try to find something you enjoy doing. But once you find that thing you enjoy right. doing, remember the world is changed by how you do it. So you can do any job out there, but it's how you do it that changes the world. And you'll be most motivated to do whatever you choose when you can find a way to contribute to well-being through your work. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Tom, it's been a pleasure. And, and I, you know, I, 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 I thank you for coming on to the Calgary Business Podcast. And there's, there's a real business element to a lot of you, 99% of the, what you've said today. So thank you for that. And mm. what are you, you, sorry, one last thing. You're doing a PhD study, it looks like? I wonder- yeah. So I'm, uh, <laughs> as part of my continual learning, yeah. I, uh, yeah, after my mountaineering accident, it happened in 2008, it took me years to figure out what I was going to sure. do. And uh, one graduate degree led to another and I'm on my third. And it's just how I, uh, how I uh, engage with uh, new Perfect. ideas. The, the, the best thing about doing these degrees is it gives you structure. You're kind of forced to learn. <laughs> so it forces me to read. Well, know? we're going to, your, your schedule, you want, that's a goal, your schedule. We're going to schedule that for another podcast. You can tell us about when you, your thesis or your dissertation. We can talk about that. Mm. But Tom, thanks so much for being on today and stay healthy. Yeah, my, uh, my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. you. Take have a good day. Bye-bye.